change it's like my dreams out of reach This pain and all this grief You see God and you have to speak Tell him it's crazy in these streets Feel my pain and you so good You're on Pastor Phil Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy. Welcome to Church on the Block. My name is Pastor Phil. I serve as the host of this great show on Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM. I know that we repeat that a lot, but we really want you to know this is the main station to get what you need for your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And our show, Church on the Block, is about real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. And we're going through different series back and forth. We're going to be talking uh, about the streets in a second. But today, we're going to listen to part of a sermon I preached at Soul City Church here in Chicago on the West Side in the West Loop. Um, great church, Pastor co-pastors, uh, Jeannie and Jared Stevens, great people. And it is about Come Correct. It's the name of the sermon. And we don't do a lot of sermons on the show, right? But this particular time, and there may be a time where we dissect some sermons around uh, some of the stuff we're talking about on the show. But my effort here in this sermon is to help people understand the mercy of God, right? And what I mean by that is, is oftentimes in the kingdom of God, um, we may live lives that are on merit. We may think that I got to do this and this is what happens to me. We um, look at things in life and it's like this plus this equals this. It's not that way with God. I always say rules without relationship equals rebellion versus relationship plus rules equals redemption. And in our relationship with God, y'all, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ has to be centered on the intimate relationship God desires for us. Now think about the relationships you have and the relationships that you have oftentimes are they based on merit. You pick me up every time for the last three weeks at six o'clock on Friday. That was perfect. I am going to appreciate you more. Are they based on mercy? Man, you be late all the time. But I'm still go with you, man. But just let me know next time you're going to be behind. There's a lot of mercy given in our relationship with each other. Well, if that's the way with two human beings, right, and or many human beings, then how much more is it in our relationship with God in a context of us being given and exchanging mercy with each other? I say all this, man, because my concern with the young people that we serve in our churches and the way in which sometimes our culture is driven is driven around this um understanding of God, perhaps at times, that it's a merit type of thing. Uh, and, and we must earn this in order to be in favor with God. And I messed up. And nothing new under the sun. This is nothing that just came about. This is nothing that is like, I'm telling you, information that's rocket science. But yet at the same time, there's also consequences to abusing that mercy, I believe, right? There are two factors I want to try to touch on. One, we live in a merciocracy, and not a meriocracy, but a merciocracy where God's mercy is what floats around and we swim in this ocean of mercy. And in the midst of that, floating around in that mercy, we should be desiring to live for God out of gratitude, out of love, out of relationship, that, that relationship, you know, plus, plus rules equals, equals redemption. That kind of mindset should be, man, there's so much mercy given to me. I cannot not live for the Lord in a powerful way. On the other end, there is an abuse of that mercy too. There is like, I'm going to do anything, however I want to do it, any kind of way. And therefore, um, you're just going to have to be the way in which I say it's going to be. I'm just going to abuse this mercy. Like God, I understand. He know my heart. Right. And again, nothing new under the sun, but in the midst of that, there are consequences to that. And I'm specifically talking to people who are, you know, believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean, his consequences, that there are 
there are um, things I believe that God does like a parent does to a child that um, says, hey, you're not going to get this because this has happened and we made these uh, boundaries for you to live in and you haven't uh, followed those boundaries. So you're not going to get this. And there is some discipline that's, that's there. And I'll talk about that in the sermon, what I experienced in that discipline in that context. Living in a mercuriosity doesn't mean, however, on the third part is that God doesn't open the banquet doors again for us. That mercy is always there, right? It's a reality that I, I messed up. Here are the consequences of messing up. You, you know, you spend too much on your credit card. There are consequences of that. Hopefully you pay your credit card and things are good, but you can't use the card that you normally would love to use or have gotten things that you needed to get. Um, they're, they're that way, I think, in the, in the mercyocracy of God. There's mercy here. You're going to live in that spot. But there are uh, rewards for us as followers of Christ, both um, uh, immediately, right now. Think grace, mercy, peace, joy, happiness. There is a uh, consistent uh, uh, dousing of love that, that, that we get. Um, but then there are consequences where what actions we did are going to come back to, to come back at us because we didn't receive and expect to live in, uh, we, we didn't live in this mercy that, that, that God gives us. And in this story, in Matthew 22, uh, Christ gives this parable to these cats who are teachers of the law. So they're the, they're the, the religious insiders, if you will. And and um, the religious insiders are supposed to have known this, but but they don't. And and they're, Christ is giving them this information to bring about an awareness that, you know, you guys are off off mark. You're not, you're not, uh, living in this, in, in, in this way. And, um, you know, this accountability is going to be coming to you. The beauty about this text, as we look at the mercy of it, is that God always calls us to come to himself. He's always calling us to come to himself. He doesn't stop calling us. He calls us by that one person who just out the blue called you to pray for you. He calls you by out the blue, somebody, um, uh, texting you, calls you by that situation that didn't happen to you. He's calling you, getting your attention by saying, Hey, I love you. I care for you. I'm here for you. You can sup with me. You can come into my banquet. You can, you can, uh, uh, experience and live in the mercy that I extend to you. He is constantly calling us to that space that we would live in there. So in this sermon, my effort is to say these three things. We live in a mercury, mercyocracy of God, live in that mercyocracy Two, when we, foul up that mercy is some consequences to that, that we face. It's like somebody running every red light in the city of Chicago with a red light camera that we have, or you will ultimately get a ticket. You can't say, God, my car, my brakes. No, you're going to have to pay the consequence of those tickets. Now, does it mean that you, after you finish paying them and, and understand the consequence of your actions and own that, that you're not going to experience the mercy of the city of Chicago and driving better? You're going to drive better, right? So you experience the mercy of God. You, you live better. And the, and, the, and the last part, that, that, that mercy is always re-extended to you to come back into the, into the fold and the banquet hall of that peace, right? And so I just want us to listen to this, um, you know, and, and hear a little bit in such a way that perhaps maybe you can use it to share with somebody else. Perhaps maybe there's a, there is a, some thoughts out of there that you can help this generation of young people understand um, this crazy mercy of God and how we can bathe in it rest in it. Um, just, just live in that space. You know, oftentimes, 
um, the thing that is often appealing to me with people who don't love the Lord is their amount of grace they give to one another, the amount of grace they give to me. And it's like, yo, I want the church, the people of God to give it. I don't, I don't want to abuse that. I don't want to take advantage of that as though it didn't cost anyone anything. This mercy or grace that we get extended even to each other cost each other. Somebody got to pay something, uh, in the midst of that. Right. And so in the midst of, in the midst of, uh, that community of believers that you would expect to, to experience that cost when it comes to non-believers, it's, it's like a more of a, a, a works related, uh, type of deal. It's more of a, it's, it's harder at times, I believe, you know, when it comes to how we share the gospel, how we love on, love on folks. The young men we serve here at the firehouse with our violent interruption work, they've lived in a world you know, where there's been so much judgment on who they are. We don't come at them with the fact that, you know, you're a sinner, uh, you need to be saved by grace. We come at them with, there is a purpose for you. God created you for a purpose. And because of that, there's there's a greater life for you in Christ in this spot. And that begins to be a curiosity. What do you mean by that? How can I even get that? You know what I've done? You know where I've been? I've been to prison. I've done this and done that. And then what begins to happen is a another level of receptivity. I'm missing out on my purpose that God created me for because I thought my purpose was in the streets and doing this. And so this is what our effort is in this, in this uh, conversation today through the sermon. So check it out. Sermon's called Come Correct. In the hood, when you come correct, it means... That you come with everything you got. Come correct. Come with all yourself. Don't come with no phoniness. Come correct with the midst of that, right? So we're going to talk through this a little bit afterwards, but I want you to hear it, listen to it, and uh, we're going to chop it up. Church on the block. Oh, y'all, y'all going in. Y'all going in. <laughs> y'all are going in. No, uh, uh. I said it was common. No biggie. No pock. I know. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. He was just here not too long ago. Um, so no, welcome. What's up going on? What's going on? Soul City. What's happening? What's happening? Now, um, I have just a disclaimer real quick. I have this knee. It's like a, it feels like a water balloon in my knee. Um, I got to get an MRI tomorrow. The doctor said I might have a torn meniscus. And that sounds cool to me. Cause like, yeah, I'm a, like my super athlete kind of comes. Yeah, I was in a torn meniscus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't even where it was at, what the meniscus is. But I say that to you because in case I'm, because I walk a lot when I preach, my knee has buckles, don't trip. Don't, don't, even, don't even bug out. So we're going to practice a, <gasps> in case it happens so we get that out the way. So ready? There you go, there you go, there you go. There you go. Because <laughs> I will preach on the floor. I will just lay here and keep preaching. <laughs> What's going on? Yo, so we are honored that... Um, um, a friend of mine um, is, is Curtis Blow, and Curtis Blow called me, and then we brought in KRS-One to the firehouse a couple weeks ago. KRS-One, BDP, BDP, BDP. Um, and so we're celebrating our efforts of 50 years of hip-hop through our Firefest, which is August the 12th. And it's going to be featuring La Russell, who's a phenomenal MC out of Vallejo, California, and a bunch of artists, D1, a bunch of local artists, Brittany Carter uh, from Chicago. So it's a free 95 event on uh, August the 12th if you have time to come out from noon until 9 o'clock at night. But let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this great group of people who you created in your image. Open our hearts and minds up now, God, that we would eat the food, the nutrients from your word that we need, the steak the spaghetti, the, the Similac, Infamil, whatever it is we need for your nourishment, God, that we would grow and continue to mature. And here you're calling us uh, to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Virgil was born blind. He was born blind, and his parents walked with him, all, of course, all throughout his life so he could live a more normal, as normal can be, a life as a blind young boy to a young man, and he did that very successfully. His parents heard about a doctor, like in Australia somewhere, who had uh, some kind of surgical procedure where people who were born blind were able to see. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that was some kind of gimmick. They fly to Australia, find that this doctor is legit. They meet the people who are born blind who now can see. They come back, they tell their son, they tell Virgil. He said, okay, I trust y'all, let's do that. They go and they get the surgery. And they, you know, bandage him up. He had to be bandaged for a couple of weeks for the swelling to come down. They bring him back home. And after a couple of weeks, they take the bandages out. And the boy can see some images, sees his mom's face for the very first time. The, the boy is seeing. And they're like ecstatic. He's in his own apartment. He knows his way around. So they're ecstatic. They're celebrating. And they go back home. And, and they go by and see him, you know, periodically, you know, throughout this new discovery over the last couple of weeks. And then, and then they notice something as they keep coming back. That Virgil is still living like a blind person like he was before he had this sight. And they're like, wait, did something happen? Is something reversed? Something going on we didn't know about? They call the doctor, and the doctor says, you know, just because someone can see doesn't mean they have sight. I'm, I'm going to say that, I'm gonna say that one, more, one more time. Just because somebody can see doesn't mean that they have sight. He kept living as a blind person because though he could see, he didn't have Sight, that's like people who have knowledge but no wisdom. Come on, y'all know some brilliant fools, right? Y'all know some brilliant fools. Y'all know some smart fools, man. They, they brilliant, but they can't manage nothing right. <laughs> they got no wisdom on this other end. It's kind of like the, the, the person who worked all day in their yard cutting grass, I mean, from eight to eight. They were, they were out there sweating there. It's hot. Uh, they're getting the grass together and putting plants down, shrubs, getting the, the whole house together. Come in. I mean, they're so sticky with the sweat, shirt sticking to them. They take a shower. Use the whole, whole tube of shower gel. Get out of the shower, put them in the same dirty clothes. What the what? Some of y'all are like, what's wrong with that? Some, some, some of y'all are like, what's the problem? What's the problem? The reality of having, having, having been able to see but not having sight is just that dichotomy in that context. God calls us to be cleansed. He calls our hearts to be cleansed. He calls us to be renewed. He calls us unto himself. And what's, what's, what's beautiful about God is that, is that he calls us. Like nobody comes to God unless God calls you. No, nobody, come, nobody goes to the IRS and be like, you know, I just want to give you this $1,000. Don't worry about it. You know, Am I right? Nobody just goes to the IRS because they voluntarily want to go. God nudges you. This situation calls you to check your heart. This person says something. This prayer. Why did that happen? God calls you and calls you and calls you repeatedly to come to himself, to get cleansed, so that you can not only just see, but you can have sights. God calls you to that because he has a plan for your life. He is guided. He guided and directed you to, to his life. But some of us have a, have a phone where you have different people's name on the phone. Don't pick up this fool. He talked too much. She talked to you. Y'all don't got phones like that. With it's Phil Jackson's name, but I come up, he talked too much on the call. So you're going to ignore that call. I'm like the only one who knows people with numbers like that. Uh -huh. I know some single people, male and female, who have different names with different people who call. Don't talk to them at all. Too much temptation on this. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. God calls us, but what do you have on his name as listed? When he calls you, he calls you unto himself that you can be free in him. God calls us today to come correct.
Now, in the hood, that's a phrase means, you know, come correct. Come with everything you're going to bring. But bring it all and be vulnerable and open and transparent. And, and come correct. Don't come halfway. Don't come part of the way. Come correct. Yo, there's more to come in this sermon, yo. Hold on right there. We'll be right back. Yo, I'm Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. In our text today, in Matthew chapter 22, Christ calls us to come correct. He's talking to these, to, to, the, to the religious elite, the religious insiders, if you will. You look at Matthew 21, 23, the chapter before that. He says, Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him by the authority of By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? So he's talking to the folks who know a little something-something about God, about the Word, and and, and their teaching. And look look what happens in verse 45 of the same chapter. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. See, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. That's what parables do. I mean, that was a good story. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That's what I do. Oh, wait, 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 we, so they, they, they hear all these stories, they're asking who's authority, and then after they listen again, oh, oh, he's talking about us, Joe, he's talking about us, we're going to have to this fool, we're going to have to this fool, what are we talking about? So they want to stone the man, <laughs> stone the man, right? So Jesus in his brilliance probably already knew that was going on, and then he adds this other piece in chapter 22, verse 1 and 3, he said, let me tell you, let me tell you another story, let me tell you this other story, and he says, Jesus spoke to them in, in, in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Now, what I'm going to try to do in this story as we break down the various verses of it, I'm going to try to do a dual interpretation study of it, meaning that the words and the story, but then what's the interpretation or the understanding and some of the backstory of that, right? So so the king is God. The son is Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is the banquet where we are all to come, where God is calling us to come. Now, about this part right here, he says, he sent his servants to those who had been invited. Go back, go back. Who had been invited, who had been invited. So they had already got an invitation before we read this story. They had already nude, as we say on the West Side, nude um, that they were supposed to come. They nude it, they nude it. And so because of that, he's like, wait a minute, I got, we got to just go tell the people. So he sends the people out. He sends his servants who to tell them who had been invited, yo, it's time to come. It's time to come. They're like, I'm good. Then you got the invitation already, but now you say, I'm good. It is understood, perhaps, that these people who were the servants who went out were the patriarchs of old, whether it was Abraham or Moses or Daniel or David. There were others who came before to say to the specific community of the children of Israel, yo, come to Yahweh. Come to God. He loves you. Come to God. You are his chosen people. Walk in his ways. I'm good. I'm cool. So they didn't listen. It goes on. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been sent, who have been invited, that I prepared dinner. I got some rib tips. You know what I'm saying? I got some candy yam. I got some fish. I got the fillets. I got the grill. You know what I mean? I even got some mushrooms for folks who don't eat no meat, right? <laughs> and the fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Like, how much more can your saliva, can, oh my gosh. I mean, how much more can he coerce you and move on you to come? You see, the beauty about this whole text 
is that the king don't ask but one time. I'm a boss at the firehouse. They call me a boss. I'm a founder and CEO. And they say, Phil, that's what they tell me. They say, Phil, nobody should talk to you but so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, no, this ain't American gangster. This is not American gangster. Not American. I want to talk to the people. So they, but, but they try to help me so that I don't interfere and get into different stuff. Right? That's really what they're trying to say. That's what they try to say, right? But, they, but, but in this story, the king invited you one time. That's enough. The story, what I'm trying to say here, is that he's showing his mercy asking you again. He says, you see, in, 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 in our culture, we have, um, um, uh, Eastern culture, Eastern culture is more of a, more of a shame-based culture. So for the king to ask a second time, it's almost like, wait, they're not coming? We gotta, it would seem as if that's the approach. But this is not that approach for this king as he's mimicking God's mercy saying, I'm gonna ask you again. You got the invitation, I'll ask you again. You didn't come. I'm, I'm, matter of fact, I'm gonna ask you again and, and I'm gonna tell you, we got the fattened calf. We are ready for you. We got all the... Why does the king have to coerce you? What does God have to do to get you to come? You see, us in this room have come. You've come to church today. Nudge, begrudgingly, you came or you got a text. Um, you, you, you're here. You came. You came. But have you really come? <laughs> Are you seen, but you don't have sight? They're seen. I've been invited, but I don't have sight to come. Look what else happens. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those and burned their city. First group, understanding it theologically, the patriarchs, the matriarchs of old. Hey, follow Yahweh. This is the way of God. Follow Yahweh. You are his chosen people. I'm good. Hey, hey, I got the fattened calf for you. Come, another invitation. These are the, this is the third invitation right here. One invitation we don't know. Another invitation we do know because they said no. Another invitation, now they, they kill it. This invitation are the prophets who the actual Israel is known to have killed for coming boldly to say, God's called you this way. Look what it says in verse 37 of the same chapter. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you? How often have I longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but you are not willing. You see what's happening right here? I tell you, you got a fattened calf, y'all come. Oh, I, I, I tell y'all to come. You say, I got to go. I got to get some new Jordan. The Jordans is out. I can't come. I can't come to the banquet. They're going to have a line for the Jordan. I'm, I'm out. I got. And then the other cats say, we tired of these cats coming, telling us the banquet's here. God, love. we're going to kill these prophets. And Christ says, even in that text, Oh, how I've longed to hold you like a, like a, like a hen to its chicks. I've, I've longed to give you this mercy, to extend this love to you, but you have denied me. This is the exemplary mercy of God. This is what the kingdom culture is like. It is a kingdom culture that says, you don't deserve the mercy, but I'm extending the mercy. I invited you one time and you didn't hear me. I invited you two times and now you push back from me and you kill me. How many times has God knocked on your heart? I mean, so, so, hey, I, I got baptized. That's, that's a part of coming. But sometimes I believe we come when it's going to be most convenient. I'm going to come when it's convenient. The AC's on? Cool, I'm coming. Got parking? I'm coming. I'm going to come when I don't have to sacrifice, when I don't have to offer anything other than just being there. Now, now in the midst of that, there are consequences for that reality, Right? 
But God still calls us. Because even in the midst of this, it was hundreds and hundreds of years of God calling Israel to himself. It wasn't just like, I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm gonna, it was a judgment the next day. No, no, no. I'm calling you to myself for hundreds and hundreds of years. As Christ is prophesying, go back to um, the last verse we were at. It says, the king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. The passage we read before is almost prophetic of Christ actually destroying the city. That prophetically, he sends out Rome and Titus in 87 AD um, after death to actually capture Israel. And actually that verse prophesied was prophesied by Christ to hold them accountable for that, the judgment of the children of Israel. How often have you pushed back from the call of God? Some of us, I think, we like the idea of God. I like the idea of God. The idea of God is great. I like the idea of following Christ. I like the idea of studying the word. I like the idea, but I don't really want to dive into it when it's going to have to cost me something, when I'm going to have to really commit to something, when I'm going to have to sacrifice something. Look what it says in the next verse. Then he said to his servants, here's another invitation, the fourth invitation. If somebody invited you four times, how would you feel about that? Or if you on the other end, you invite somebody four times, they begging. They must have had no friends. They ain't got nobody coming to this thing. I ain't never, they must not, right? Ain't nobody gonna, come on, y'all. Ain't nobody gonna be there if they asking me four times, four times. You see the mercy extended to you and me with our ratchet behind? God is extending that mercy to us for no reason that we, out of our own merit, see, we live in a mercyocracy, <laughs> mercyocracy. It is God's mercy that you breathe right now. It is God's mercy that you sit here right now. It is God's mercy that we endure every day through life. But in that mercy is joy and peace and, 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 and grace that he extends to us in that kingdom of heaven. He said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited didn't deserve to come. So go to the streets, to the hood, to the block, to the alleys, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out <laughs> to the streets and gathered all the people they could, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. I like that, the bad as well as the good. Because you know Ronell was up in there. <laughs> you know, that boy, drunk like him. Hey, we're going to the banquet, y'all. I'm straight. I'm good. You know Ronell was in there. He invited everybody. This is the fourth invitation. He invited everyone to come. Now, this is to be understood as the apostles. Beside the children of Israel who began to reject Christ, now it's all of us who are not from the children of Israel, part of God's plan to be invited to the kingdom of heaven, the mercy of God. So watch what happens. As the king, you go to the next verse. The, as the king invites you, he's inviting you from the street, the good and the bad. He knows you were not invited prior to. So the king is not going to make you come in and be in shame. He can make sure you geared up. He'll make sure you're straight. So the king has provided wedding gear for you. So you walk in the door with a nice suit on that you never had before. You walk in the door giving grace extended to you for what you didn't have, he prepared for you. Amen. Amen. I, I'm, I'm going to say amen to my own self. I need that for my own self because my stuff ain't always together, man. My stuff is not always together. And I need the grace of God to give me what I can't do for myself in the midst of that reality. They couldn't do for themselves. 
They weren't invited. Now they're invited, and they're in the kingdom of heaven. They're in this banquet to party with the sun, to be with the sun. And the grace and mercy of the king extended to them with no merit on their own. He gears them up. Everybody comes in. You wear this. What's your size? Let me measure your neck. Okay, cool. Go over there to see Samantha. Okay, come on, huh? Go see Reginald. And bam, they hooking you up. The bag would kick in. The king walks in, but the king came in to see the guests and noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how'd you get in here without wearing clothes, friend? Man was speechless. That means he knew better. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't ever been speechless? So what happened? Well, uh, you, want, you want some more tomato sauce? You want, want tomato sauce? You don't want to say. <laughs> he, receiving the mercy of God, chose not to come. The coming was to come correct, meaning that I don't want to put on this robe, but God, you must have something else in mind for me. I don't want to walk in this path. God, it's hard for me to walk in this path. This sacrifice is hard. It's challenging. It's hard to get up in the morning and prepare lunches and to serve to a new neighbor. But God, you're calling me to do that. And, 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 and in the midst of that, God's grace and mercy shows up to this man chose not to put on the clothes that were freely given without you having to do nothing for it. And the king calls him friend. Oh my, that's another extension of mercy and grace. That's my friend. Well, how can we put the gear on? We got the Nikes to match the new Jordans. We got, we, you got you straight. Man was speechless. And then the scriptures say in the next verse, the king told the attendants, time, hand and foot, and throw them outside in the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that seems hard. Seems hard, right? But the thing is, you and I, if, as we are followers of Jesus Christ, and you've made a choice to follow Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, you're following Christ. That's, that salvation is secure in God. It's, it didn't come from you, it came from God, so God locks it in, secure. However, we tend to jump, even though you're in his hand, we jump from knuckle to knuckle. Wild and out, right? I believe there's an understanding of two of these aspects of this text. The, the one aspect is that though we are followers of Christ, the scriptures talk about that our works will be tried by fire in Corinthians. And if our works are tried by fire in their gold, silver, precious metal, they will withstand. Our, our works are the, the, the inheritance we have received and our gratitude for that inheritance. We serve, we live, we live righteously, we serve righteously, right? We, we walk righteously, Gold, silver, precious metal. Then those who serve, who, who love the Lord, commit to Christ, your works will be tried by fire and it'll be wheat, hay, or stubble. And it'll be burnt up, but you'll come through the fire saved and delivered, but the works will be burnt up. So I believe in one end, my man's works were burnt up. <laughs> in one context, that you come through here, you, didn't ex you, you, you saw the mercy of God to even come to the banquet. You saw the grace of God to give you what you didn't have and you chose not to. And you got to bounce. And your works, you're still my son. You're my friend. But your works didn't merit you to be in this award, reward. Yo, there's more to come in this sermon. Hold it right there. We'll be right back. Church on the Block. Yo, we are back for this last little part of the sermon. Check it out. Church on the Block. Want to hear your thoughts. I believe we're thrown at the banquet a bunch of different times. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean. I married a beautiful woman in 1985. We just celebrated 38 years this past July, right? Beautiful, beautiful. 
I would have put her picture on here, but I didn't ask her first because she that's not the one I want to see. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. <laughs> so I know I've been there. So it happens when you're married 38 years. You know these things, right? So, uh, <laughs> so, but 85, we get married. 86, I'm wilding. I'm wilding. Now, at 15, I came to faith in Christ. I came. I got baptized. I was in Sunday school. High school, I renewed, recommitted. I came. I married. I heard the coming. Live righteously with your family. Be wise with your family. Uh, my, my, my identity was wrapped in this job. I got fired from the job. My identity got broken up. And my wife and I were married, and we just had a baby, and she needed a, a husband and a man to be there and support the family, but I wasn't that guy because my identity was wrapped in the wrong stuff. Separated eight or nine months. Four months into the separation, dude who didn't even know the Bible said, man, what's your relationship with God? I said, my relationship is, is about a nine. Because he knew Kim. He knew we were separated. I said, man, I know Romans 3, 23, Romans 5, 8, Romans 10, 9 to 10, Romans John, John 10, 10. You can't tell me nothing. He said, man, your relationship is a zero. I went, how are you going to tell me? I'm, I'm, I'm kicked out of the banquet. I'm living so foul. I'm, I came. I'm, I'm, I'm in his hand, but I'm living so foul. I'm kicked out the banquet. I'm tired of hand and foot thinking my stuff is straight. I'm good. What you mean? <laughs> That's her fault. She did all that. No, no, no. Man, for four months, God used this cat. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't even know the Bible. He opened the Bible from, we worked till midnight. From midnight to two, three in the morning, he just opened the Bible. And we just read and read. And what I had, when I came to Christ at 15, I all of a sudden came unearthed. And I came back into the banquet. <laughs> I put on the clothes that God gave me to put on. And I walked in that boy struck me. Because I knew, I knew and experienced the mercy of God. I knew what it's like to be outside the banquet. I knew what it's like to be tied hand and foot and thinking you're on your own thing. I knew what it meant to see but not have sight. And I didn't want to experience that anymore. My wife and I got back together and 38 years later, we're celebrating and partying and kicking it. But I'm telling you, that's what's missing on the other side of your life if you don't come. Oh, Phil, I came, I got baptized. That's great. That's a, that's a beautiful space. You know he's nudging you more. You know God is nudging you more. The scriptures say that in this text, for many are called, but few are chosen. He went out to choose them. Come, bad and good, come. He's coming to you. How am I? He's coming to you with all of your mess, all of your stuff. Come, come, come. I got your front, your back, your side to side. Come, trust in the mercy of God. Trust in me. That's the kingdom culture. The mercy is unending. Nah, I'm good. I got to get these Jordans. I'm going to kill these fools. Now I'm going to wear the wrong thing. I don't want to, I want to, I want, I want to know about God, but I want to know God. It was a man in 1987 in Nigeria who was in jail already for seven years. He was in jail for seven years. And um, the judge brought him forth. It was time for his court date. And as he came up, the judge, hearing the different defenses again, said, this man is pardoned. Gave a man a pardon after seven years in the jail, in, in the prison. The man did not take the pardon. The man said, I don't want to take, send me back to prison. The man hit the hammer. The judge, no, you're pardoned. You, you are free. You can go. You are free. No longer do you have to be outside of the banquet. You're in the banquet. You are free. It took six guards to hold this man back, fighting them. He was fighting them to go back to prison. They sent him back to prison. See, a pardon is only good as those who accept it. 
A pardon is only good as those who hear the coming, come to me. Uh, uh, that, that calling, that invitation is only as good as those who accept it. You see, Christ came four times. The king came four times. He put shame on his back. Though I'm a king, I'm asking you again. And though you may look at me as, how was a king keep asking? He must not have nobody to come to his party. You may have an attitude with that. He said, I'll take the shame because you're worth it. I put on a cross on my back because you're worth it. I took lashes because you're worth it. I had spit on because you're worth it. They lied on me because you're worth it. I'll take the shame because you're worth it. Come correct doesn't mean you got to come correct and get fixed before God. It just means, God, I'm, I'm here. What you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? I'll walk in your ways. And in the midst of that, your heart is healed, nourished, restored in areas you didn't think you even needed because you don't know what you don't know until you surrender to his calling. Today, y'all, where you at in this kingdom culture? Are you, are you spitting in the eyes of God's mercy because of some shame in your life? God, I don't know, though, because I don't know. I got you. I'm calling the good and the bad. Whatever you define as bad, what do you find as good? I'm calling them all. Today, 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 let it be the day that you hear that call. Let it be the day that you've already heard the call, but you come a little closer. Let it be the day where you take off the other clothes and put on the clothes of righteousness. Don't pull back when God says you are pardoned. <laughs> no more life sentence. No more jail sentence. No more bondage. The chains are free. Accept the call. Accept the invitation. The mercy and the grace is waiting for you. Let's pray. We all stand. We all, we all stand. Man, God, you are... <laughs> there's no doggone English words to even explain how great you are. But you are all that. You are all that. And God, let us this day be brought forth before you with the realization that perhaps we've been seen all the time, but we're scared of the sight. <laughs> we're scared of it, so we want to kill the prophets. We want to run from the prophets. We want to do something different. We want to ignore God. Let us this day, though we've come, we've come to this place, though we've come to you by faith, though we've walked in your ways, God, let us come again. Let us receive that invitation and not walk from it. Because on the other side of that invitation, is more than what we could even fathom or think about. Fathom or even imagine of the grace, the, 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 the nourishment of our hearts and minds and spirit, the healing that's there. God, let us answer to your call, your invitation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yo, that was the sermon. That was it. Come correct. When you think about the situation of the king who doesn't give multiple invitations and the shaming act of doing that for a king it extends to me the crazy grace and mercy God extends to me every day. And the effort of this whole sermon, that whole effort of our talking about church on the block, and we talk about church, and, and hopefully this sermon was of some kind of uh, realness to you, is that we want churches to be that level of invitation. But we don't want an invitation where it's regulated, it's got judgment, it's got it's got uh, some kind of funkiness to it where those who know nothing about church, God, or nothing have to come uh, with some prerequisite uh, uh, just because of your facial expression, just because of how you talk to them. We want you to give that same kind of consistent tenacity of invitation like, like God did. He gave those four invitations, man, and went crazy with that. And people did what they did with that.
And then we got the reality that everybody's in the banquet. Everybody's in the banquet. You're in the house. You're in the kingdom of God. And people make choices in the kingdom of God to come correct. I'm going to come correct the way I want to come correct, right? And then this and that, there are um, abuses to that mercy and, and, and that grace, man. And we talked about um, that in the in the sermon. I'm not trying to re- repeat the sermon. I'm trying to emphasize how we can use this word or even how it edifies you. But in such a way, as we talk about this show, man, we desire our word to be alive in the lives of those who hear it and in the lives of those we, we, we talk to about it. And the fruit of of uh, your life being pardoned by God uh, should be manifested because of the invitation, crazy invitation, repetitively, the crazy mercyocracy we live in, um, and the gratitude of all of that uh, formulates a life that's based on relationship plus rules equals redemption. The reality that our relationship is so intertwined and embodied with who Christ is that there is... Uh, an understanding, like any relationship you have with another human being, um, that you're on this journey growing and learning. I mean, I could see if the dude came into the bank and was like, man, I don't really want to wear this, Job. I'm going to put it on. You know, um, he is saying there, I am grateful for this mercy. I was in the streets. The king asked us to come into this banquet. We accepted by the king. Uh, my salvation is secure in him. I'm going to learn how to wear this clothes of righteousness. I've been not wearing it. I've been pushing it away, but now I'm going to learn to wear this, these clothes of righteousness. And in, in the midst of that, I'll learn these bad boys are the bomb. I, I love to speak and to communicate and live and act and function in such a way that's righteous before God in, in, in that context. You know, we desire, man, in this show, Church on the Block, Real Talk About Hip Hop, The Church in the Streets, a church body of Christ, universal church, um, uh, the Catholic church, the entire uh, body of believers um, to be authentic and real and to be real, relevant and respectful um, in, in, in the gospel in, in, in that way because of all the barriers that are there already in the lives of people that we would actually have crazy grace that is touchable and feelable in, 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 in the, uh, in the community that we, that we live in and serve, not trying to have every word be so magically potent that this person is going to come to faith in Christ. Cause I said this certain way, a certain, a certain kind of thing. Um, you have to believe that perhaps maybe the person has been to church, been to a sermon, went to a funeral, went to a wedding, um, and has heard something of the gospel. Right. And if that's the case, or maybe if they haven't, then you are that, that, that gospel uh, manifested in the flesh. In, in, in that context, you know, the um, fact that um, we got more churches uh, in the hood uh, and more crimes in the hood, we got more police in the hood than in the suburb often causes me to think like, what is really going on? Um, either a, there's more, you know, churchianity happening. Um, there's things that happen in those churches or people's perspective of those churches that cause folks not to want to follow Christ, not to want to go and worship, not to want to, uh, grow in, 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 the, in those spaces. Um, two, you know, people move there for, for property, not for people. And they're just there to get a cheaper building in the hood and, and have church versus it really being to impact the, the people of God there in that, in that space. And, or that, um, you know, there's some damage that's happened so much. And so, so much hypocrisy, um, 
that there's created um, a disdain even towards God in, in, in that context, right? I think that we have to own all of that as uh, as followers of Christ and as believers, man. So we just wanted to this day, and we're going to do this more to challenge you through this sermon, challenge you to hear God's word in a fresh way to bring about what we mean when we say, you know, real talk about hip hop, the church in the streets, that this is a real talk sermon. Yo, stay pardoned, accept the pardon that God has given you. We'll see you next week. Church on the block. We talk about the streets next week. We're about to get it in. Peace. Thank you for listening to church on the block. Real talk about hip hop, the church and the streets back here next week. Same time, same channel, Holy culture radio. Come with us. Crazy.